up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm Alicia Battaglia in the host seat today, and joining us today is Ben Sanford. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So you're, uh, once again, FBC's technical director. Mm-hmm. How are things going on the technical realm of things? Just nice and normal. Good. Yeah, just plugging along. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And to my left, you're right, for those who are watching, we have Pastor of Biblical Counseling, John Morrison. Hello. How Hi. are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Welcome. Good to see you both. Yeah, it's, it's great to see you, and uh, it was a really great weekend. Um, it was uh, just fun to come together and to see you up on the stage with your eye patch and <laughs> yeah i uh, was really sorry that i wasn't able to bring my parrot in but, <laughs> but sometimes the parrot drops loads on the back of my jacket and i didn't uh, want that yeah yeah oh well that's great well we're just gonna jump right in uh to our sunday in review um we have the the passage from luke mm-hmm. chapter 15 mm-hmm. uh, a very popular uh parable actually three parables that uh, Jesus is telling in this section. Ben, I am going to come your way and just let us know your thoughts of what your your recap is of, of this this week's sermon. I mean, there's a lot to, lot to unpack, a lot to recap. I uh, appreciated the, you know, it's funny, I don't know that I've really ever considered that passage within its context. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, coming off of the Pharisees asking, who's this guy that's eating with tax collectors and sinners? Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of just always hear the prodigal son as its own standalone story. Yeah. And I loved that, that he was, uh, especially in the context of all three of those stories, that he's answering like, guys, this is this is the entire reason that I came yes. for. So in terms of the, you know, you titled it the father heart of God, that stood out to me um, probably more prominently than it has before, and I mm. appreciated mm. Yeah, it that. had the, I wrote these two things down next to the title, and I thought it encapsulated well the whole sermon, that God's heart for sinners welcomes and includes. Yeah. Uh, and then he's, he's a loving God and a celebrating God. Yeah. And that was just beautiful because that's what's happening in all three of these sections mm-hmm. with the parable of the lost sheep, mm-hmm. the lost coin, mm-hmm. and then, of course, with the prodigal son. Yeah. So in your preparations, uh, I, I, I sense, so we were down in F3, our family was, and um, we... We missed the very beginning of the sermon, so we missed your greeting to us because we had te- technical difficulties downstairs. Oh. <laughs> so we missed the Nanu Nanu secret handshake, <laughs> and it wasn't until I went back online and I was like, that's what we missed. So <laughs> I was feeling that and down at F3. Uh, but anyway, we, we caught on just a couple minutes in. But um, anyway, with, with all of your preparation and, anything, and everything, there was so much and mm. I'm sure that there was much that you also didn't get to include in, in your sermon. Well, you know, less in this one than I think often is the case. Um, I think sometimes with narrative um, passages in the Bible, especially in parables, because Jesus has 
whenever you're interpreting a parable, there's always one main point. And sometimes we want to we want to get this little element of it and this little element of it and this little element. And sometimes when we do, we can do injustice to a parable. But because of it being narrative, because of it being a story, and because of it being a parable, uh, it was fairly contained for me. So there wasn't a, a, a great deal. Um, just, um, I, I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the picture that there is sort of always an older brother. Mm-hmm. And, and in the story, there's the older brother, but then in the context that Ben was talking about, the older brother is really the scribes and the Pharisees mm-hmm. who are finding fault with Jesus for befriending these sinners. Um, and uh, uh, to me, I think one of the things that, that just stood out was similar to what Ben said, that, that Jesus is constantly, and he uses this opportunity with the Pharisees to portray uh, the fact that, yes, I, I I care about sin. It's not that I'm indifferent to sin. It's just that the reason I'm here is because, uh, as as you intimated, that I, I'm here to pay for sin because ultimately my father doesn't want to hold it against us. Mm. Uh, that's it's the the ultimate mm. picture of this is uh, I I love that phrase and and I alluded to it at least in one of the sermons towards the end that in Second Peter three. Uh, Peter writes, God is not slow about his promises as some have counted slowness, but he's patient to all, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to repent. The idea is just the turning towards God in faith. And that same idea is picked up in either 33 or 34 of Ezekiel, I think it's 34, where he says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, mm. uh, but rather mm. that that he would, would again, would turn. Um, mm. And so I think, to me, what was just that story as a nugget it's one of these things you could tell in five minutes god is a gracious god he mm-hmm. loves to deliver sinners but he also i think as we looked at uh he doesn't force them mm. uh he 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 doesn't uh he gives people a long enough rope to hang themselves mm. uh, and yet in his mercy he's he's delighted when they realize i don't want this i don't mm. want the i don't want the outcome of my sin i don't and, and so I, I don't think i really had a a lot left that we didn't kind of get to. Something that jumped out to me along that elder brother uh, character in verse twenty nine, um, he he the elder brother says to his father, "Look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends and so forth and so on." And that made me think about how he was relating to his father. He was relating to his father much like the Pharisees do as rule keepers. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's com- he's concerned about how he served his father, about mm-hmm. how he's obeyed his father. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he's ha- he has this misplaced identity in who he is as a son. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, um, there's something about being a family member and sharing in the joy of your loved ones mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he didn't do that mm-hmm. he was resentful mm-hmm. and and your 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 pickup your or the the way you put that your phrase um i had it and now i've lost misplaced it misplaced identity the, the misplaced identity because his father in the very next verse communicates exactly your point that it was a misplaced identity because he says to him you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours, which is an identity statement. And then he, and, 
and the idea I get from that is I would have gladly given you a kid if you had asked me. Mm. Yeah. You know, that, that if the son is constantly thinking, I, I better not be like my younger brother. I better not be like my younger brother. I better not be like my younger brother. And that's true. We don't want to sin in that way. Right. But what we don't want is that pressure that then that puts on us um, that makes us not realize we need mm. grace too. Mm. And, and I think your, your misplaced identity is a great, uh, great picture. Well, I think that um, First John, this, this verse came to mind too when I was thinking about that. First John 4, uh, starting in 19, 19 and 20, um, we love because he mm. first loved us. Yes. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And I think that that really hits home yeah. in that situation. Yeah. yeah, it does. And I mean, thanks be to God, he He loves us first. Yeah. And therefore, we're able to love others. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great, that's a great verse to apply to that situation in two regards. Uh, one, the fact that um, the issue of if I don't love my brother, how can I say that I love God? Um, in fact, there's a verse just before that that I remember when I was in fifth grade growing up in the Catholic Church, going to Catholic school, and and uh, the teacher gave us all wood burners, um, which, by the way, is really risky. I showed she was a, <laughs> she was a tough nun if you give 10-year-old boys oh, wood burning kits, but she did. And she, she said, I want you to find a verse that you want to wood burn so that you can give it to your mother for Mother's Day. Okay. And so the verse that I found was, if a man says he loves God but hates his brother, he's a liar. And... and uh, <laughs> Uh, and that's probably because I was one of four brothers, and, and, and it, I'm sure and it think, really I'm sure it was you. thinking about the other three, you know. Oh my but, goodness! Uh, yeah, oh that's my a goodness. great verse. Yeah. You know, I as I'm as I'm hearing you talk. So probably one of the things that I've struggled with most, in terms of my own wretched heart, you know, my own bent towards sin, uh, is just a plain hypercritical attitude towards other people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um which you and i have talked about mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. and and one of the things that we've talked about that has um i think really uh started to inform how i approach that issue is y- you talk about this misplaced identity mm-hmm. it's not just a misplaced identity in ourselves mm-hmm. with that older brother but also a misplaced understanding of that younger brother's identity yes. as well mm-hmm. like yes. a, a lack of understanding that i they who are who are potentially actively walking in sin are just as loved and sought after by the lord as mm-hmm. i am mm-hmm. so there's i i feel like the more that i've been able to recognize um uh the depth of that identity truth mm-hmm. uh in myself and other people the more it's it's been easy to let go of a lot of that hypercriticism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just understand them as children of the Lord as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there are several facets of that, though. There are several sides of that, that that are a little difficult to navigate through, at least in my mind. One is that um, some of us are, con- are will commonly say he loves them just as much, and he does because he... he so love the world that he gave his begotten, only begotten son. So that's certainly true. But in terms of enjoying them in fellowship, he can't enjoy them in fellowship in the same way. So it's not that there isn't a difference. Uh, it's that, yes, he's disposed towards them in the way that he's disposed towards us. 
But I think there's a, an element of that that when I think about uh, conversations you and I have had about that tendency to um, uh, criticize or, or judge, which certainly I've, I've had too, um, I, I think what that comes from more than anything is I don't see, I'm able to look at someone else's sin that I have not committed and I have a tendency to judge that. I don't tend to judge other people of things that I know I've been guilty of. I tend to judge things that have not really been a struggle for me. And, and so I think that when we tend to judge, um, the mistake I think that we make is we actually, without realizing it consciously, we actually think of ourselves as somewhat righteous on our own in some areas. And as a result, we can judge somebody in those kinds of areas because we think anybody is smart enough to know this. I, I, I can think of conversations I've had where people get angry that someone hasn't believed the gospel. And it's like, how stupid can they be for not believing? It's right there in front of them. Well, that makes you forget the fact that it requires the Holy Spirit to mm. quicken you and make you aware of this truth and enable you to believe this. And so the irony is we, we judge people like the older brother has not done what the younger brother has done. What the ideal response would have been, man, praise God that I wasn't tempted that way. Praise God I was able to stay with my dad. Praise God I don't have to go with the guilty conscience and the weight on my soul that that has produced. I just am grateful to God. And the fact that he's repented, hey, um, you know, the more the merrier. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think sometimes it just starts with a misunderstanding of our, we, we talked about the identity as in our identity in the Lord or our identity as a loved one. But we also, I think, forget our identity as sinners. As, as some have said, we're far worse than we think we are, and we're far more loved than we realize we are. Yeah. And Romans 2 speaks to that head on there, starting in, in verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Amen. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who do such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who do such things and yet do them yourself, oh, that you will escape the judgment of God. Mm. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Mm. And you brought that um, mm -hmm. verse four out, that it mm -hmm. is God's kindness that brings us to repentance. And, and I think about how, um, how the grace of God always precedes that repentant heart. Mm. It, we, in order for us to repent, we have to receive God's grace first. And mm. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that mm. while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when we just take a hot second to think about the love of God, he, he's loving us even before we even realize mm -hmm. we're being loved. Mm -hmm. And even before we even realize our need mm -hmm. for a savior. Mm -hmm. But it's not until... Um, we experience that grace and see that need, that true repentance comes. Mm -hmm. and like where it says in the passage, when he came to his senses. Exactly. That's when he was in a position to receive the Father's mercy. That's, exa that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, something that stood out to me, too, with um, you talked about the the distance um that how mm -hmm. he went he journeyed to a far off country and so yes there was that physical distance of separating himself mm -hmm. from his family um but the distance really created and that's really felt is yeah. 
from moving from his parents, from his parents' heart, and the heartbreak that that uh, that was for the father, Um, and that just in thinking about that, because for those of us who are parents, we 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 see ourselves oftentimes in this father father's role whether i mean if you have a child you have a sinner (laughs) like you have birthed a sinner uh and and they are uh rebellious and they tend to stray and and so there is just automatic heartbreak that comes with the role of parenting in that way um and in identifying that with that i i was thinking about what the lord you know here here is god he's here he, he never leaves us. He never forsakes mm-hmm. us. The distance that's created isn't because he's moving away from mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. It's because we're drawing mm-hmm. away from him mm-hmm. in the foolishness of our sin. And, that, and that's the thing about sin that is, um, it, it's a liar. Mm-hmm. That we, we, we think that the benefits of sin are, are worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's going to fill that void yes. that we have, but it, it, it leaves us weary. It leaves us broken. It leaves us empty. And uh, really, when we find our identity in Christ, knowing that, no, he, he's, he, he is there. We were made for him. We belong to him. Mm-hmm. Our lives are for him. Mm-hmm. Then um, that helps us... Um, understand uh what what that rebellion looks like Um, because you think about um jeremiah 17 9 that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked who can understand it who can mm -hmm. who can know it um which is is just a reminder of the nature of sin is that we are deceived by our own sin Uh, in other words we tend to think i'm in control of what i'm doing right now maybe it's not what i should do but at least I know it, and I think I'm in control. And the Proverbs say that that um, what I'm forgetting the uh, the first half of the clause, but the second half is that. Um, uh, but then you end up getting um, led uh, led by the um, into the cords of your iniquity. It's it's mm. the idea is you start it, you initiate it, but then it entraps mm. you, mm-hmm. um, and. And that, that actually it brings to my mind something that you asked at the beginning about, did I have anything I, I left on the cutting room floor? And I, I just remembered one thing that, that I didn't say in there but would have because I've been the father of a prodigal at one point, um, uh, and it was um, one of the hardest two things that uh, Diane and I have ever been through. And um, one of the things that uh, helped me was something I had heard from a professor of mine in school before we ever had children and it was a class on parenting and um, dealing with this reality of what sin is like in its deceptive nature um, he made the comment remember he said to us and maybe half the students were parents and half of us weren't he said remember God doesn't hold you responsible to raise good kids he he holds you responsible to be a good parent and it hit me like a ton of bricks because if you had asked me at that point in my life, 28, 29 years old, I would have thought, well, of course I have a responsibility to raise good kids. Mm-hmm. But the point that he was making is exactly what we tell people when we're encouraging them to share their faith with people. It isn't within your power to get someone to believe. It was never meant to be. You were merely to love them and speak the truth as God gives you the opportunity. Well, in the same way, as a parent, I'm to 
and, and one of my children actually said this to me one time. We were, uh, they, they were a teenager at the time, and and uh, this one had asked me, was I doing okay? He, he could feel a distance between us, and I said, well, I, I just could sometimes get concerned about where your heart is uh, with the Lord. And he nodded his head, and he said, I, I get that. He said, uh, but Dad, it seems to me, he said, I don't know much about parenting, obviously. I've just watched you and Mom, but it seems to me like a parent's job is to teach their kids and provide their, for their kids and discipline their kids, be an example for their kids and love their kids. And he said, it just seems to me that from that point forward, the results really are in God's hands mm. and that it would be inappropriate to take extra responsibility for that. Mm. And it just broke me in half. Mm. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I burst out bawling because, mm -hmm. because it was this truth that I think the father in the story had down pat. Mm -hmm. I don't think he took too much responsibility for the son mm -hmm. doing this thing. At least we, we know, again, it's a story, so we don't get the whole picture. But, but at least the way Jesus presents the father uh, it appears as though by the virtue of the father not getting into a power struggle with the right. son and giving him the money, it, it, it seems to me at least the image is this dad understands that this boy is going to have to learn on his own. Yeah. And I'm not responsible for how that turns out. Mm. Yeah. I'm responsible to trust God with what's outside my control, mm -hmm. to be the best example I can, to love mm -hmm. my kid, to discipline and train my kid. And I think that when I've talked with parents with prodigals, it's the number one thing that parents fail on, mm -hmm. without question. Number one, I don't even know if there's a number two. Mm -hmm. They invariably take too much responsibility and it tends to provoke anger in them or depression. Mm -hmm. Depression that, uh-oh, things are not turning out like I'd mm -hmm. hoped and so I'm discouraged and disheartened or uh, anger, why aren't you doing mm -hmm. what I taught you? As mm -hmm. opposed to realizing, wait a minute, I have done my job, I love this kid, but this is for her to work out with God. Mm -hmm. This is for him mm -hmm. to work out with God. Yeah. And so I think that that issue of the deceptiveness of, of sin is interesting because it's not only true in the life of the prodigal, it's not only true in the life of the older brother, mm -hmm. but it's true in the life of a parent who mm -hmm. feels as though I was responsible to make this turn out differently. Mm -hmm. That's ex as, yep. That's good. That's exactly right. Because if we think about mm -hmm. you know how the prodigal breaking away from God, he attaches himself to something else, which is the, you know, once he comes to rock bottom, he attaches himself to the, the pig owner and mm -hmm. then life with the pigs and eating the pig food and mm -hmm. all of that. And um, we, even as parent, you know, if, if we put ourselves in this, the parent role um, in that situation, watching our child go astray, we too could be tempted to pull away from God and thinking that we have to have the solution to fix it or make mm -hmm. it right. Mm -hmm. And then there we go, attaching ourselves to what we think may be the right, uh, the right avenue or way to handle it. And, and that's, you know, that's going to end us up in a mess as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, I'd be curious for you, Ben, uh, you and I haven't talked since the sermon, uh, as somebody who doesn't have kids yet, um, how how does that how was that um the story the parable and all of that kind of how did that um impact you as a potentially a a father to be one day was there anything any way that you found yourself kind of mulling on it for the future or yeah well i mean a couple different things i think it's interesting that you're 
mentioning what you're what you just talked about. Um, in this morning, this morning I was I was in First Samuel, and uh, I've just kind of been reading through it and kind of loosely studying it, but more just reading it as mm-hmm. a story and kind of soaking in it a little bit. And it's interesting that you know Eli at the beginning of of First Samuel is. Uh, regarded like his sons are regarded as wicked Mm -hmm. and he is held responsible for that Mm -hmm. the lord holds him very clearly responsible for that and later on down the road then samuel is now the prophet of israel and his sons are just as wayward Mm -hmm. and it doesn't go into as much detail with them and what they're doing as it does with eli and his sons but the lord does not hold samuel responsible for his sons and as you're talking in fact, Samuel is upheld as a righteous man. Mm-hmm. So as you're talking, I, the Lord is just bringing that back to mind that, that has, that's not just true in this story of the prodigal son. That was true in First Samuel yes. where mm-hmm. you have a faithful father who's yes. walking with the Lord yes. whose kids still were mm-hmm. wayward. Yeah. And I mean, for me, that's terrifying to some yeah. extent you know mm-hmm. there's you would well, love... we think about who's the perfect parent god right. and he's had a lot of prodigals <laughs> mm-hmm. but i think to your yeah. point mm-hmm. though about the responsibility there is and and to me this is an important distinction because i had somebody bring up a question very closely related on sunday afternoon and that they were asking but what is the role of the parent when it does come to mm. the sin of the kid it, do they have any um responsibility culpability kind of a thing and um I think the the difference with with Eli, what was going on was he failed to discipline mm-hmm. his sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't that he was responsible for how they turned out. The, the point I just made mm-hmm. three or four minutes ago is still true. It was that he's responsible when they turn out wickedly, there was a prescribed action for what to do about that, and he failed to do it. Mm-hmm. Similar, I think, to what happened with David and Absalom, mm-hmm. um, and Amnon, excuse me. And, uh, and I, I think that, that the issue of discipline uh, is, the issue of discipline is one matter, but the issue of um, being held, for example, I'm reading right now, I just finished yesterday in uh, Deuteronomy, just uh, rereading through the Bible and, and um, r- long about uh, maybe, I don't remember, 37 maybe, um, it reminds us of that truth that the father is not punished for the sins of the son, nor the son for the sins of the father. Mm. And that idea that we're not responsible for their outcome, but we are, while they're in our house, responsible to There's discipline. And that's what Eli, they were yeah. in his house and in God's house, right. and he right. was allowing them to serve as priests. Right. Yeah. There's a difference between uh, punishment and discipline. Yeah. And parents are wholeheartedly responsible for yeah. the discipleship, the discipline yes. of their kids. And in the house. In the house. Meaning if if they had been off on their own, right. I, I don't see the parents bearing exactly. a responsibility. Right. Right. But when they're either affecting the home mm-hmm. or in the case of Eli's sons, affecting the worship of the people, because the people were talking broadly about their sin. Uh, they, they were acting immorally and they were thieving mm-hmm. uh, and, and they were certainly not representing God. So mm-hmm. in that case... Right. For the sake of God's people, um, he really should mm-hmm. have brought them out and had them stoned yeah. and thrown right. the first stone. Yeah. I mean, to your question, there's a, I think there's an aspect of that as a not yet 
parent, you know, that is, I mean, that's terrifying because I have a, I have a great relationship with my parents and, um, and I want that with my future kids as well. And, and, you know, the, I, all of the benefit that comes with that and the joy, the, the sweetness of that closeness that's not there with anybody else, you know, in that regard. Um, so it's terrifying to some extent to think that I, I really don't have a ton of control over that outcome mm -hmm. at all. Um, but at the same time, it is, it is incredibly encouraging that um, as, I, as I was thinking on that story and thinking about the possibility of that kind of thing, the Lord was just kind of reminding me of his faithfulness to pursue as well because they're his Amen. they're his mm -hmm. you know what i mean That's they're exactly not necessarily right. my kids yeah and so the more that the more that i get to know the lord and um understand his love and his grace and kindness right the kindness of the lord leads us to repentance the more uh the more at rest i am yeah. with yeah. that concept mm -hmm. i mean granted i'm not in it it's a whole different ball game when it's mm -hmm. you know the rubber meets the road but in terms of preparation for that potential eventuality, mm -hmm. you know, I, I am just thankful that the Lord offers rest in the midst of those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And that's, well. I think, the biggest comfort for a parent is just knowing that they are the Lord's. And I know that in situations in our family, um, that's what's brought me peace, knowing that they belong to the Lord. And um, he's he is not... He is his arms outstretched their sin, and Amen. and he um, he's the one that brings them back in. He's the one yeah. that picks that yeah. lost sheep up, puts them on his back, and brings Amen. them back to the fold. And um, and he's he is faithful to do that. If if they are his children, he does that. Yeah. He is that kind of a God. Um, and honestly, it's when the the my kids have experienced the consequences of a rebellious heart that God's used that to bring them back to himself. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not words that I could say or things that I could do, but it's the heart of the father mm -hmm. uh, disciplining them, discipling them, drawing him back to them himself because he's the one who seeks and he saves. And so, I think maybe it might not apply to you, but, and I, I, Knowing Ben, it hasn't really applied to him. He might think otherwise. But having been a prodigal myself, what you just got through saying about our kids and uh, recognizing God's arm and his love outreach their mm -hmm. sin, mm -hmm. his grace is greater than all of our sin. Think mm -hmm. about the end of, uh, of Romans 5. Um, that, that reality um, um, to me... I, I have to, I don't know about other parents, but I have to apply it to myself first. Mm -hmm. For me to be able to give my kids room to grow up, for, my, for me to give my kids room to struggle is partly related to, my goodness, God was so gracious to me. And, and if I forget that, if, mm -hmm. I, if I say at age 66, well, you know, why can't you see this? Well, I didn't see it at mm -hmm. 17 or 22. I mean, God had to bring me along and... and um, and I, Diane would tell me numerous times, uh, and I've heard her say when we've counseled other parents, uh, I've, I've just heard her say so many times, and I think it was because it was the mother heart speaking. She said, she, she has said to me, 
And she has said to others, I've heard her say just through tears, he really, really does love them a lot more mm. than you do. Mm. You know, and I, I think truth. that's a yeah. deep comfort. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap all this up, we've got we've got these three characters that you brought to light, Pastor John. And we've got this prodigal son who he is the one who's the open sinner. He's reckless, but he repents. We have the father who's heartbroken, but he celebrates his son his son's return. And then we have the elder brother who's like a Pharisee with that misplaced religion. He's resentful and he has no joy. And you ended your sermon with um, just bringing to light that the response to the proud son, like we don't know how he responds. Right. We're just left hanging. Right. Um, and for me, I saw that as an invitation yes. um, to reflect on my own heart. Yeah. Which one of these characters yeah. uh, do I fit in? But even more than that, I mean, my, my prayer is that he would, that, that that elder son would have seen the Savior, that yeah. he would see his need for yeah. a Savior. And, um, and I think that the whole point of this section of, in chapter 15 is the delight of the father that there is joy yeah. in the restoration of a yeah. sinner who's who comes to repentance yeah. and we see that in in each of these passages that there's a party like yeah. come on let's yeah. celebrate yeah. and i think that that's um i mean wow what a what a yeah. good god that he celebrates us like well, that that has to be so huge to him even that was one of my takeaways from this story because i've been through it like everybody else for years, ever since being a little kid. I can remember hearing this story at age six or seven, and it kind of sticks with you. But what never had stuck with me so much as reading it through and studying it was that there really were three parties and that the story finishes with a party. Mm -hmm. And in a manner of speaking, the party was already going on in verse one because he was having a meal with them. Yeah. And, and uh, it just drives home for me how much he is a relational God, mm. not only wanting sinners to come back, uh, not only that, but that he's wanting that for us. He's, um, when I hear people tell me, well, we haven't really had anybody in our house in the last five or six or seven years, or we haven't really been invited to anyone's house in the last eight years or in the whole time we've been at Fellowship Bible, mm. I just want to weep because mm. if we don't get some of the party in, mm. If we don't get some of that, this life of God becomes dry. Mm. It becomes weary. The, the world is a weary place. Yeah. And we have got to find some of the party that's in Christ. Mm. And it, it, I'll finish with this comment because I, as a young believer back in the mid-70s, I used to hear a guy on the radio whom some of you know of, uh, Chuck Swindoll, mm. And I just remember as a very young believer who struggled with a lot of depression and a lot of anger, his cheerfulness, his joy was so infectious that when I would hear him present the scriptures and laugh and tell stories, I thought, I want that. Mm. I, I want that joy. Mm. And, um, and that was one of the things that drew me to Diane, that uh, in spite of uh, having been through many things that are challenging and difficult, she really is like that woman in Proverbs 31 who smiles at the future. Mm. She's full of joy. Mm. And, and I want to be that. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
So I just pray that for us as parents, that we can recognize that the heart of our Father is one of joy. And, and I pray that, we, that our kids would be able to see that. Because if our kids only see us as dour, if they only see us as pursuing righteousness, but it's a dry righteousness, there's no blood, there's no laughter, there are no tears. Um, even though they're getting exposed to Christ, they're getting exposed to a, a, a bit of a caricature of Christ, mm. a little bit like the old uh, farmer and his wife in the picture with the pitchfork. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. just yeah. This, this dour, you know, dry yeah, yeah yeah and i just i just mm -hmm. pray that we don't lose sight of three parties in that yeah uh, in that passage yeah god is so good he celebrates he celebrates over us and that's awesome well thank you pastor john thank you ben for being here um so i messaged mark francis and asked for announcements because he's the one that's in the know about all this stuff and he wanted to remind us that there is an FBC Workday coming up. Um, there is actually an opportunity for us to serve that isn't a long-term commitment where uh, we need everybody's help, all ages, all skill levels. Um, it's going to be Saturday uh, here at FBC, March 26, 9 a.m. to noon. Um, our facility over the years has been used for a multitude of ministries, and it takes more than just our facility staff to maintain and spruce it up. This workday is an opportunity for you to join us for a fun time of serving and fellowship, all while taking care of a few project needs around the building. So if you head to the web website, fbcva.org forward slash workday, then you can let us know that you're coming and what project you want to help us uh work with so um, and then another need that we have is a podcast tech support and um, that is we are looking for someone who uh, could be an ongoing support for our podcast our behind the scenes scenes productions so if you like techie kind of things uh, let us know and you can email mark francis at mark f at fbcba.org um, so yeah, workday and podcast te tech support. So, well, the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.